This episode of LedgerCast is brought to you by Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstats.com slash BNC to check out BNC Pro. You know what you can do is today you can go create your free BNC Pro account. Just go to ledgerstats.com slash BNC, click the orange button that says create account. You can view all your cryptocurrency portfolio in one place. Handle everything that you have going on, see all your P&L, track your trades, connect them straight to your exchanges. You can tag them. You can do all sorts of stuff, especially if you have a lot going on. Uh, BNC Pro is a terminal-like experience to help you take care of everything. has a lot of flexibility built in to create custom holdings for things that aren't normally listed, add your wallets, uh, manage OTC exchanges and trades, all sorts of stuff that's just not available in any other application. Not to mention, BNC Pro has great news feeds built right in. News items from Brave New Coin and elsewhere. News items that are collected from 5,000 plus digital assets. You can check out that and more at ledgerstatus.com slash BNC. Do it today. Don't delay. It's ready. It's available. It's waiting on you. Thanks to Brave New Coin for being a LedgerStatus partner. Now here's the show. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here with Josh Olswich. He's back in the United States. I'm happy. I know he's happy to be back and happy to be past the sickness. We were planning to record, I think, last week. And uh, Josh, you were a little under the weather, but you're back, right? Yeah, man. I think I had, it's called atypical pneumonia. Oh, so oh like anybody, you, had real, you had real sickness. It wasn't just any old cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anybody wants to Google that one and, and learn about what that is, that's real fun. Yeah, um, sounds I, terrible. I think I acquired it through a mix of uh, traveling and being in New Zealand. But uh, yeah, finally getting a little bit better. Got my voice back at least. Well, welcome home and welcome uh, to the to the good side of uh, the health spectrum, I guess. Uh, we got a lot to talk about because it's been a couple of weeks since we went over news. And some of these are just particularly, I think, entertaining to discuss. We'll get into a little bit of price stuff as well. Well, uh, obviously, PSA first, don't go to North Korea, whatever you do, <laughs> for, <laughs> for any reason, just don't do it. Yeah, old Virgil. Uh, Virgil, Virgil Griffith, a, uh, a Birmingham, or a, not, I don't know about Birmingham, but an Alabama native. So shout out to my Alabama brethren who got put in jail uh, for going to North Korea, even though he asked for permission, was denied, and then said, no, nah, I'm going to go anyway. Sounds he like in a jail? He's not in jail yet. He's innocent until proven guilty. Let's be very clear about that. <laughs> well, he was he was arrested and taken to jail for like booking, I guess. I don't know. I've never been arrested, but I thought that's how it worked. Also, uh, what what's the difference between jail and prison? Well, prison's like you've been, you know, the book has been thrown at you, you've been tried, you've been uh you've been told you lost and okay. and you you go to prison. Jail is like <laughs> you serve a short-term sentence for a, you know, small crimes or you're held uh for a while for some, you know, like being suspected of something or whatever. Gotcha. Jail's like the county jail or, you know, like the city overnight jail and that kind of stuff. Prison's like you're in, man. You're right. you know, you're whole, you're incarcerated. <laughs> you're in, you're incarcerated. Um uh, so he's looking status, at he's looking at 20 years, right? Yeah, he uh, he was arrested for allegedly assisting North Korea, and he is to be released from jail pending his trial. So yeah, he has been in jail, uh, but he'll have a full trial. And the judge said, yeah, he couldn't be released until certain conditions were met. I mean, I imagine somebody that's like, assumably, 
a little bit crypto rich at least has some disappearing capabilities so maybe the jail was a little or the the judge was a little nervous about that nevertheless he's getting out uh, and then he's gonna then he's gonna have a full trial and everything so well especially if you're an American citizen like you know you you might mean well but you can't do business with Iran you can't do business with North Korea Those yeah. are just you know, or ISIS. There's just certain things you can't do and get and expect them not to to go after you for it. You know. Yeah, these are things that you just you just don't do. Actually, a friend of mine from my uh, other world in the in the web space, um, he's been really involved in in government stuff uh, over the past several years, and he was just he texted me about this. Like this made this made real news. You know, like yeah, Ethereum. It's a big foundation deal. guy. And he texted me and he's like, this guy is possibly the dumbest tech bro on the face of the earth. And I was like, well, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to argue it, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's some good quotes like the New York times, just federal investigators obtained text messages that Mr. Griffith had sent to a colleague in which he said he needed to send cryptocurrency between North and South Korea. The complaint said when the person asked if that was a violation of United States sanctions, Mr. Griffith said, it is. So that's his text message. He's like, he knew he's breaking sanctions with this. He just does it anyway. Uh, yeah, it's not a good look for him. Not, definitely. Not good. He wrote um, in another post that North Korea, quote, is peak woke, adding, thank you, Socialist Party USA. I don't even know what that means. What? Yeah, these I, are quotes. I, these are quotes. I did not see that part. Yeah, that uh, was from a New York Times story about this whole thing. Uh, oh. He even looked into renouncing his American citizenship and looking at citizenship options in other countries. So, yeah. Way to go, Virgil. Yeah. Not, he's, in, he's in big not, trouble. This is like stuff you don't get out of. This isn't slap yeah, on the wrist yeah. type stuff. Exactly. And they're going to make an example of him, if anything, yeah. just like they did with uh, Ross. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But uh, so ETH, ETH hard fork tomorrow. Yeah. Tell me about this because I have I have to tell you, uh, you know, I pay attention to the Bitcoin price, although I haven't been trading Bitcoin super actively recently. Uh, and I've had this bullishness about altcoins, but I haven't really been bullish Ethereum. Uh, it just, I don't, I don't really know what to be bullish about with it at the moment. So I haven't paid attention to Ethereum, including a lot of this fundamental news that I know you keep track of because you write about it. So you were like Ethereum hard fork tomorrow. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like really? Uh, so I don't know anything about this. So tell me the 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 hard fork's not 2.0. That's different, but it's significant, and I, I don't I don't understand any of it. So walk me through what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So Istanbul's tomorrow, and they're hard forking, adding I think it's six EIPs, Ethereum Improvement Protocols. Um, okay. There's there's also some deal with this Ice Age thing that just seems completely out of left field. Um, I haven't what looked at it lately. Mean? Um, basically it's where difficulty just keeps increasing and, uh, block times decrease, issuance decreases. Um, but I don't know the actual rationale for including it, where they included it. I think it was supposed to be like a stopgap between ETH 1.0 and ETH 2.0 being released. I honestly, I don't really know. Uh, so there's that going on. Let me just check. On I had read something about how the, they were actually going to increase the level of inflation in, uh, in Ethereum, but that was different than what I had previously heard. So I just have no idea what's going on. Yeah, so block times are up to 15 seconds from 13. So that decreases uh, issuance. It decreases currently. overall. So, yeah. But, yeah, but the big thing is the hard forks tomorrow. 55% of the nodes currently are not ready. 2,000 out of the 3,500. 
40, what, uh, what is it? So what so happens with the over half of nodes not being ready for the fork? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, like we're talking two chains type of stuff? Possibly. I, I honestly just couldn't tell you. This sounds like right. a perfect dumpster fire. It doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> but that isn't to say like the nodes that aren't ready can't get ready between now and tomorrow. It's just like, uh, you know, putting it to the last second. Yeah. I don't know. It's That's why hard forks are tough because you have people have to upgrade their nodes like it's mandatory and if this stuff isn't backwards compatible that's a huge deal so this is just Istanbul part one Istanbul part two is coming probably within six months and that's going to be the consensus algorithm change to frog proof of work that's going to be a massive deal i think um i think there's going to be a lot of press and whatever around that just to get everybody on the same page rally the troops as they say man sometimes it amazes me just how expensive ethereum got relative to the ico like you put the ico price in the beginning of your most recent article about ethereum and Mm -hmm. i just sometimes forget like they ico'd this thing for 31 cents per eth so it's uh it's done pretty well for the folks who are lucky enough to get some of the two-thirds of the supply that were issued in the in the ico yeah but you're but you're right i agree with you regarding uh eth not looking so hot it needs a catalyst to do something yeah it was looking okay but then it just kind of bled off for two weeks and just let go of the opportunity that it had so like on the on the btc pair but just in general you know price wise i guess my justification for this would be that ETH was more stubborn against Bitcoin, like didn't lose as huge of a percentage of its overall value as like the largest altcoin as all the other altcoins. So I think kind of the relative value is in some of the other altcoins, the ones that are still doing things. Um, Whereas Ethereum to me, it still seems like it has the ability to go down and like some of the like everyone sold their altcoins like who's there to still sell their altcoins you know um and some of those have been basing for like six months or more kind of at similar you know range bound and we've started to see some break up and i just think there's a lot more opportunity in other altcoins so i've mostly ignored ethereum but probably one of the most interesting periods of fundamental stuff going on at the moment for ethereum yeah yeah well so there's there's the ethereum stuff i agree with you with all that uh but at the same time, like all these other chains are making these huge changes. Um, XLM burned half their supply, got rid of inflation. Monero's changing their consensus algorithm. Uh, Zeke has a hard fork coming up. Uh, I don't know if it's this. It's it's by the end of the year, so it's got to be sometime this month. Um, somebody else had a hard fork. Uh, ETC maybe has a hard fork coming up. Like all these chains, and I'd take I'd take uh, a bet that Ripple will probably burn. A percentage of their supply as well next year. If I can't already... look at the XLM chart and tell you what day they announced that half the supply was going away. Like maybe yeah, it yeah. was. I, in no, September. I agree because it's it's stupid and pointless. It, it was never in circulating, so it didn't matter. Yeah, um, XLM is one of those where if you look at the overall percentage that had been distributed, it was tiny. So the 2050 supply was, or the 2050 market cap was like really, really high. Uh, and it was just made it more, even more expensive currently. So burning 50%, it's still like got a lot of supply left to send out there. So it, it makes me think people really just weren't pricing in the fact that so little of XLM was out in the first place. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think the Ripple people are like asking their lawyers, how much more of a security do we become if we burn something? <laughs> if we burn like and, 25% of the right. XRP out there. And at the same time, like 
how do we keep up with the Joneses and, you know, match the XLM uh, supply burn sort of situation. Um, yeah. So there's, there's lots of stuff going on and in Augur. So I was doing this story about Augur supposed to be out today. Um, I didn't get a chance to finish it yesterday, but I'm, so I'm doing all this research on Augur and I didn't realize they were one. So they were one of the first ICOs from August to t- October, 2015, they collected 19,000 BTC and 1.1 million ETH. What? How insane is that? Yeah. What was, was the name like of it? Augur rep. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so it was, only five point, it. it was only 5.3 million. They sold most of the funds uh, immediately after the ICO. But like, holy crap, the literal bottom of the market in 2015 is when they ICO. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Um, just just the number of BTC you mentioned. just The timing on that is just incredible. But uh, yeah, so they've got a 2.0 thing coming. ZRX has a staking coming. Yeah, the ZRX staking stuff was pretty interesting to me because we've complained many times that like all they had was governance and they're trying to introduce more use cases for the token. Uh, ZRX more than doubled off the bottom. Um, you know, if you go to the very bottom, it got to like under 1500 Satoshis and it's at 3300s or so now consolidating in an interesting way. A lot, lot of coins like ZRX is a good example of the type of coin that's worth watching at the moment, I making agree. higher and, lows, that kind and of And back thing. to ETH for a second. I don't know if it's because I muted all of the ETH cheerleaders or they're just, the sentiment is just bottomed out, but I'm not seeing any... Like Hopium for ETH on Twitter, are you? No, I haven't really seen a, a whole lot about Ethereum unless it's like super Ethereum people. Um, but they're not talking about price. They're just talking about DeFi and stuff. Yeah, I mean, all I'm all I'm seeing is like Tezos cheerleaders at this point. It's right. getting pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be honest. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to complain. You know, the, the, fam, the fam has a little bit of Tezos. Uh, so yeah, I understand that, but like, you know, 25 tweets a day, Jeremy Ross, really like, do we need that? <laughs> yeah. Well, just don't follow people. Yeah, I certainly I, don't. Yeah. Uh, so I got, a, I got a hypothetical for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Brad Garlinghouse's XRP is worth, like based on the actual XRP of it, but what percentage, if he could have it in dollars today, do you think he would take? Like, let's say he has a billion dollars worth of XRP if it was 100% liquid, like he could get rid of it right now. He has a he has a billion dollars worth of XRP. How many hundreds of millions do you think he would require today to just cash out and say goodbye? I mean, even 50% is fine. I think that's would, like, I think he'd take like 20%. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably take 10, but <laughs> I would take 10. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like especially, the, especially knowing what he would know about the inter- machinations or whatever of xrp what's going on in the ecosystem yeah you think of like like the overall liquidity the percentage of that liquidity you're providing as like a firm involved in the ecosystem uh the inability to sell it unless you get a bunch of like new money people that you sucker in to you know being the bid (laughs) that you that you service it's just like i would think that most of those big big uh ripple founder people that were like super billionaires on paper for like 12 minutes when it was three bucks, like they would love to get out with just a fraction of the actual dollars that Ripple is worth. Yeah. I mean, maybe they've converted to equity at this point. Like we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, right? We could, yeah. we could probably look that up. It's gotta be public, right? Cause they're a public company. No. Uh, 
No, 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 they're not public. I, don't no, know. I feel like it would be somewhere, though. There, the information would be somewhere. Yeah, some of the information might be there because of the whole open protocol, whatever, of XRP. I just think that's a fun test because it's not just Ripple. It's like basically any altcoin where it's pre-mined a whole bunch of it for the team. Uh, like some of them at the top could be really rich on paper, but them actually getting rid of their bag would be really hard. Um, yeah, for, I forget the, the guy who got all the headlines for being a billionaire. Um, also yeah, Ripple. Yeah, some one of the Ripple founders, but doesn't do anything with Ripple anymore. Yeah, like, you, yeah. you know he wants to get rid of his bag for right. sure. For, yeah, just like uh, Jared McCaleb, Jed McCaleb. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, he probably just has equity, right? I can't imagine he holds. No, they definitely XRP. A, a significant amount of their wealth is in XRP tokens. That's the problem. It's like, because of the, the what's the lockup on that for them? I wonder. That'd be another good. It thing doesn't matter what the lockup is. They can't sell it. Like it, it, you just can't. Uh, I know they've locked up some of it over time, but like you can sell it. A, you, Give it to an if, OTC guy. Do it algorithmically. You send, like, it to, you send it to zero. Ripple would go to zero. These guys—they're all screwed. Nah. I mean, they'll get super rich, but like the percentage, it, they'll never realize the you know the percent the dollars that Ripple looks like it's worth on on you know exchange charts. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. But I think they could drip it into the exchanges for sure. Yeah, I think that's the pressure that you see on on those uh, high supply tokens like that with big market caps is they're just constantly bleeding into it. It's like the, uh, I just saw recently, who is it? The Slack founder is selling like, I don't know, 50 grand or 250 grand worth of uh, Slack stock, like on a weekly basis. (laughs) Just like, you just got to get rid of it slowly. Just drip it out. But you're, you're constant selling pressure on your own, on your own baby, you know? Yeah. I mean, Link, the Link people did that. Um, Yeah, they did it once it hit like a jillion dollars. Yeah, um, uh, Hashgraph. They, people must be doing that because of the way that chart looks. Algorand, same thing. Like all these, you're right. All these premium ICOs are the same. Um, yeah. So why would so XRP you, be any different? So once those kind of bottom out, they they think like, yeah, it's not worth ditching it anymore. You get a little buy pressure under it. Maybe there's some opportunity on some of those, but I don't know. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, I saw an article about how GP, GBTC is one of the most popular assets for young people on uh, on Schwab. Did you know this? Yeah, I did see that. I thought that was pretty interesting considering how garbage GBTC is. Yeah. If these people would only realize like they would get way more for their money to just buy crypto and put it in the cash app or something, put it on Coinbase than bother. I didn't. I don't, I've never actually looked for GBTC like through, you know, like my, uh, my legacy asset purchasing thing methods to mm-hmm. see if it's even available to me. But, but also, like you say, I just would never even choose it. Yeah, it's got to be people who don't know better, uh, who just see like crypto, Bitcoin, and like don't even want to worry about it. Like I understand yeah. you don't want to self-custody, you don't want to worry about being hacked, blah, blah, blah. You don't know enough about enough to understand what GBTC well, really is. Yeah, and the extrapolation on it is confusing too. Like I did look, just look it up. I can buy it. It's $9, whatever that means, <laughs> you know? So like you have to do the research to figure out even what, you know, what you're, what you're doing there. Yeah. And that's with like out. a 30% premium on what you're actually getting. Yeah. It's I'm like sure zero, zero. No, they don't. It's like 0.002 or something BTC per share or something, something like that. Yeah. The other, uh, the other like asset based uh, thing that's been in the news recently is the Galaxy 
one. What's it called? The uh, you know who that guy is? Uh, Novogratz. Yeah, no, Novos Galaxy, whatever. They have to do. Uh, they have to like release reports about their holdings, their buys and sells. So like, it's like opening yourself up to the market about what you've done. And uh, they sold like all of their EOS. Uh, they're like trying to dump their wax token, whatever whatever wax is. Uh, it's like you see all their all their you know messy business uh, on those reports that they have to put out since they're publicly traded. Uh, yeah, I think their ICO fund went from thirteen million to like two million or something. <laughs> Just complete yeah. devastation. Um, yeah, and I think Galaxy is uh, trading for a significant discount on its book value. Yeah, uh, I think somebody was commenting that uh, Novo is probably going to take it private at some point, but. Yeah, it's a mess. It's definitely a mess. But that's a lot of funds. I there's another story about uh, like sixty or so hedge funds, crypto hedge funds closed this year. Whew. So I know yeah. a lot of people are hurting, especially ICO funds. Those were crypto hedge funds only. Yeah, yeah. That is brutal. Yeah. Uh, so there's a a couple of things going on in the in the government side of things. I don't think it's worth spending too much time on. Um, one of them is Crypto Dad is working for a law firm now and promoting uh, digital assets or digital, uh, you know, a digital dollar. Uh, and then just a few days after that, uh, apparently Steve uh, Mnuchin, however you pronounce his name, the Treasury Secretary, said he sees no need for a digital dollar anytime in the next five years. So the U.S. is obviously taking a longer lens look at this whole digitization of fiat currencies concept than uh, our peers, the Chinese or the anyone else's. Well, if if they say they don't like cash, which they don't, because they say it promotes you know illegal or illicit activity, then we effectively have a digital dollar already. You know, I don't I don't touch cash. I don't touch anything that isn't on my on plastic. So right, most people we don't you know we don't have an effective digital dollar, but pretty much is every, all digital already anyway. So yeah, it's just not places, official, right? And there are a lot of places that just don't flat out don't take cash anymore with that before but i i'm seeing that more and more just um no cash here blah. yeah do you uh do you worry from a privacy perspective once that's that is a thing like or do you just already assume nothing that you transact in fiat is private anyway no i think it's cash is definitely more private it's funny like i don't care about using a card everywhere but i care enough not to have an alexa or a google home or any of that stuff that's how like i am a, too i don't have any smart, smart home. We're, we're a dumb house yeah. 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 It's like that to me is clear surveillance and like goes over the line. Um, like I don't have Facebook, that sort of thing, but I'm still on Twitter and Instagram. So it doesn't really matter. You know, uh, I don't know. I think uh, cashless society is inevitable, but it isn't necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Why do we still have uh, the penny though? Get rid of the penny. At least start somewhere, you know? Oh yeah. We definitely need to ditch the ditch the penny. Hey, a couple of my favorite things on Twitter recently. Um, one is, you know, we think that like crypto was a bubble. I'm going with the art world is an incredible bubble because uh, I saw a headline the other day that an artist taped a banana to a wall and then sold it for $150,000 <laughs> or $120,000. Was it a real banana or was it just... It's a real banana. Like, and apparently he said like uh, he kept taping the banana to the wall like when he was traveling and stuff and trying to get inspiration about whether he should do it in resin or copper or whatever, these other metals for his banana sculpture. And then he realized the banana just deserved to be a banana. Uh, so the art piece that they actually sold is a banana duct taped to a wall. And then they sold it for $120,000 multiple times. And to be maintained, they have to replace the banana about once a week. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, 
how does that work? Because, uh, you know, obviously it's a banana. Yeah. So I'm calling, uh, there's got to be some kind of top there in the art world. Surely this is all just being used to launder money, but the lack of, uh, maybe a banana is not a hard currency, you know, like, uh, it decays. So this piece of art in particular seems like someone, uh, is really, really going to the bottom of the well in terms of how to store their wealth. Uh, it's a, it's a good Theseus paradox, uh, question. You know that yeah, one? the the picture of the banana on the wall is great though. I'll put it in the show notes, or if you follow me on Twitter, you already saw it. And then you know, I taped a uh, sweet potato to my refrigerator and <laughs> put it up for sale. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the the paradox thing. So you know, you you have a, an axe, right? It's your grandfather's axe. You change the head of the axe; it's still your grandfather's axe. You change the handle; it's is it still your grandfather's axe? That's the paradox. So for this banana, this, once you, you, know, if, you, you ha- if you have to replace the tape and the banana, is it still right, smart? Right, exactly, exactly. In in your in your heart of hearts, it would yeah, still be. I guess so. You know, and, I think we can actually apply that the same paradox to Poloniex. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's once it changes true. hands twice, is it still really Poloniex? Uh, did you see the thing with the with the Digibyte guy? Yeah, I mean that's just kind of unbelievable that they do that. But yeah. at the same time, it's it's Justin Sun. So so Jared Tate is the Digibyte founder <laughs> or whatever. Went on a eight or nine tweet storm, uh, being angry about Poloniex uh, basically being you know, uh, turned into a shill factory, in his words, for Justin's son and Tron stuff, which, of course, they have. It's absolutely true. There's nothing, no way to deny it. One of his uh, points that was really interesting is that apparently Binance controls 56% of Tron voting power. So between CZ and Justin's son, they control 25 out of 27 nodes on the Tron network. So that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty interesting crypto project you got there uh but this is the same argument with every coin even we'll talk about the tezos yeah it is but that's pretty severe and like you add it up to on top of everything else with tron like the copied white papers and the disaster of everything else about it it's just such a vaporware thing like it's unbelievable yeah, but this is most coins. Look at ETH, ETH has Infura and Consensus, uh, yeah, OMG, and, or NEO is the same. EOS is the same. NEO is pretty like, bad. All, Some there are there are there are ba- there are offenders, and then there are like really bad offenders as well. How there I are there are shades of decentralization. Well, sure. For yeah. the most part, all of this stuff is completely centralized. So go ahead. Uh, so in response to that, for anyone that wasn't on crypto Twitter, uh, Polo then <laughs> tweeted, quote, after a careful review, and it was like, I don't know, hours later, they decided to uh, delist Digibyte as it's not qualified per their listing standard. Um, so yeah, which obviously just immediate retribution uh, because of the founder of Digibyte saying those things. So, you know. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Um, pretty, but completely ridiculous. Does anybody trade Digibyte anyway? Like, I saw well, that they delisted. Oh, you're like, saying it's cares? stupid on the behalf of the Digibyte guy because they no, actually no, no, rely no, on no, the market. No, no, Polo obviously is in the because like that should be out of yeah. But See, at I, the same I, time, who trades Digibyte anyway? <laughs> you know, I don't know that. It, I mean, I don't know that a lot of people trade Digibyte. I think it still gets mined. You know, so there's some people that there's some stakeholders, and they were probably using Polo. Like, I know some you know some folks that are a little more OG, never really bought into Binance, and they were probably the like final users of polo and i know some i saw a couple of folks that are like closing their accounts because of this they just thought it was a true sign of you know polo's 
jumps the shark. Uh, but also, you know, good job, uh, Jeremy Allaire and Circle on fire sailing Polo to uh, <laughs> basically TRX. Yeah, I really like the Enambroid uh, tweet. He said, Polo sold their soul and Binance never had one. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, and I didn't see, talking about Circle, I didn't see the co-CEO left Circle. I think Circle just needs to close up shop at this point. Uh, do you know more about this Sean Neville guy? Uh, it was a it was reported on Coindesk, and I don't know a lot about him. I mean, they just kind of said he, he was a co-founder, started it with Jeremy Allaire in 2014, and then uh, he's going to remain on the board, blah, blah, blah. The recent so sale been... of Poloniex was one of several factors that made, quote, the time appropriate for me to transition. I'm kind of yeah. guessing he's ditching it because that was his idea. That's like, seems seems like a logical thing. Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I just feel like, you know, Jeremy Allaire was on uh, doing a lot of press recently. And he historically, I don't really think has done that much press. So he's, to me, it's a clear sign that they're like trying to get their, their uh, you know, their brand out there. He was on like MSNBC and Bloomberg, like talking about crypto, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But that just to me says that the, the marketing people were like, we need you to go do something <laughs> basically uh, to save this company. Because I don't really know who uses them for anything anymore. Do you? Yeah. Like, no, I don't OTC know. OTC stuff is dead, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think they basically disbanded. The Circle OTC head went uh, left somewhere else. I actually did a pretty interesting podcast recently defending Tether, which was cool. Uh, oh, Dan. Dan Mazutsky or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I <laughs> If think, anybody knows how to pronounce his name, it should be me, but... Uh, I don't. So <laughs> we d- we discussed this after the fire sale of Polo, but you know, Circle had a three billion dollar valuation after their 2018 raise of 110 million dollars. They were looking for another 250 million dollars that I don't know that that ever was filled. So failing to raise money in like your series, whatever that was, a D or something, is a pretty bad sign. But they had still they had raised about 250 million. So there's no way they paid 400 million for Polo in cash. So actually, the original Polo. Top sellers who made out like bandits, they never got four hundred million in cash. So they actually would probably hope for Circle to survive in some way. But they they probably made forty million. Maybe they made forty million in cash or something like that. That was just based on an estimate. But Circle never had the free cash flow to pay four hundred million for Polo in the first place. Um, that said, Circle the fire sale for Circle, I bet it was single digit millions, like way less than ten million, is my guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Crypto, the asset class that doesn't sleep. The markets move quickly with profits made and lost around the clock. It's a whirlwind and you've got to keep up. You need enhanced tools that deliver timely data and accurate analytics so you can make informed decisions. You need BNC Pro, a customizable, institutional-grade suite of applications to help you manage your crypto investments all in one place. Get accurate market data, track your trades or custom holdings, and see profit and loss at a glance. Monitor any asset, trading pair, or exchange using Brave New Coin's trusted market data. Integrate BNC Newsfeed and filter it to deliver only the news that matters to you. Never miss an opportunity, save time, and make better informed decisions. Finally, the all-in-one terminal experience you need to master this brave new asset class. BNC Pro, launching Q4 2019. Join the waitlist today at bravenewcoin.com. In talking about Polo again, like I can see some really crazy stuff happening um, like them. So Polo creating a Polo token on Tron, I think is coming eventually. And I think Polo listing BNB is coming eventually. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I don't uh, think any. Of, I don't know if it, any of it's newsworthy, but it, it, no. But like this is like you said, it makes sense. It just is like yeah. the next step. I I can even see them like being completely embraced by China in some way. So that was what I was going to say. Is I think the most annoying part is it'll probably end up looking like a success story. Uh, you know, it'll like they'll figure out a way to get volume back or fake volume or whatever you want to call it. Like, but they'll have activity. They'll do stuff because they can do it with with you know while disregarding anything to do with the United States uh, and the law, uh, which, of course, that was what strangled Circle in everything they tried to do with Polo or wanted to do or whatever. Like, they just spent all their time resolving two-year-old support tickets and delisting securities. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. They, they couldn't really do a whole lot beyond that. And I'm sure the amount of uh, due diligence that they were forced into with any decision they wanted to make was just too burdensome to really get through. And eventually decided it was a, a dumpster fire. They bought it at the absolute wrong time. Yeah, no, I and that agree. was that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so more a little more exchange news. The Bact CEO, which, I mean, how long could she have been the CEO of Bact? A year or two? Uh, Kelly Loeffler is now nominated to be a United States senator. How about them apples? Yeah. And I think that speaks more to the... Uh, the elitist circles than like anyone's ability to do anything because like isn't she the wife of the CEO of ICE? Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know her background. Um, she might be qualified. I don't know. But uh, says she. Wikipedia says she's an American businesswoman. Uh, okay. <laughs> she's a part owner of the Atlanta Dream, a women's national basketball association professional team. Um, let us let us see. Let us see. I don't see her family life stuff, but all right. Well, it just seemed odd. I'm pretty sure she's the wife. Of she worked guy. for ICE. That's for sure. I'm pretty sure she's uh, the wife of spouse ICE. Jeffrey Sprecker, who is the CEO of ICE. Like you said, there you go. chairman there you of the go. New York Stock Exchange. Huh. So inbred yeah. much? Well, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely inbred, but what's that there's a word for that uh like where you like hire people from your family and stuff i can't remember. yeah nepotism nepotism, nepotism. Type thing. super super uh super high levels of nepotism there maybe maybe but i'm sure she's qualified but whatever she's politically connected that's for sure yeah and now she's yeah. a united states senator but you know to the crypto side of things is that good that's good for crypto somebody with a they have to have some baseline understanding of cryptocurrency to be yeah, the CEO it's not, certainly not bad it just looks weird you know yeah um but yeah it's good right she's ex backed ceo maybe she'll be on the board still i don't know how that works who knows uh did you follow any of this Bitfinex Lightning Wallet stuff? You know, I think Bitfinex is in trouble, mainly from the volume perspective. I think all exchanges are, unless you're Binance. I saw or, the report that they were one of the most liquid exchanges for spot stuff, but nobody's trading spot is the problem. I mean, nobody's trading their margin stuff. Nobody's trading their spot relatively compared to everybody else. They keep trying these marketing gimmicks to, to get people to come back, which is what it seems like. I don't know. So you think this is a way to get the lightning uh, lightning believers, like the big lightning folks interested in Bitfinex? It was a partnership thing too. It was, yeah, I think it's awesome uh, it and great. I think all of it's good for the ecosystem. I just think it's not necessarily coming from a place of like, let's support Bitcoin versus like, let's try to get give people a reason to come back to Bitfinex sort of thing. I don't know. I could be wrong. But uh, just looking at their volumes just doesn't look good lately. That's fair. Have you done a volume analysis to figure out like where is trading happening? I mean, it's mainly Binance. Yeah, well, Binance from a spot perspective. I mean, what is backed really though? Well, I'm just saying they're 
they're increasing their volume significantly, but, yeah, but it what started is the, what, starting from nothing. I saw some stat that like basically the volume is like seven BTC in a week or something. Oh, I think it's better than that. To, I don't know. I think it, it was, I was shocked like at how little it actually was compared to like what the volume numbers show. But, you know, even the CME volume, I think is down relatively from where it was a couple months ago, for sure. I could be wrong there, but. Yeah, some of that's going to be related to, uh, you know, just general whatever, like price and interest in trading Bitcoin yeah, at the moment, but, which is a little lower. I think volumes are down across the board for everybody in general. Frank, which, Frankie Scoops at the block said in late November <laughs> that backed volumes are soaring as Bitcoin sinks. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the volumes, percentage-wise, the volumes definitely went up for them, but they're not like insanely massive. It's just overall, you know. Yeah, I don't know the actual numbers. I get upsold to join the blocks paid site thing before <laughs> I see the actual numbers on that Frank's article there. But you yeah, know. It's, it's just hard to compare everything and to know like what volume is real, what volume isn't. It's easy to see like blatant volume manipulation on some exchanges. Uh, it's harder, I think, to to like tease out when it's mostly real volume and there's a little fake volume. Mm, like that's yeah. that's when I think it gets into trouble because then, uh, you know, you don't know from down at that point. There was some Wall Street Journal article today uh, from Vigna about uh, Bitcoin doesn't look like it's trading because it isn't or something like that. It was behind a paywall. I just thought that was just the most ridiculous uh, <laughs> headline I've ever seen. Uh, but I, I don't know. Ago. I don't know what he was alluding to because I, I couldn't read the article. Um, but, you know, when stuff's quiet like this, that's the best time to get in, honestly. So it's a bear market, arguably. The subtitle is that because 50% of the Bitcoins that exist haven't changed hands in at least six months, that's why. It's like what the subtitle says, basically. Okay. So he's looking at like UTXO set. Yeah. I so mean, because sure, look, does gold turn over every... Like, yeah, like, like that makes like, any sense. People still trade gold. It doesn't... I'm sure that doesn't turn over its entire supply every six months. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, to wrap up the Bitfinex thing, though, so they enabled some Lightning Wallet deposits, basically opened up their own like Lightning node to open a channel, you know, get some liquidity in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. and then... People can, I guess, deposit there and then spend with bit refills, kind of joint PR thing for people to spend with Lightning or whatever. Uh, but you can't like trade through your Lightning wallet yet. It's not that type of thing. Yeah, but, you know, more this... more pretty decent Lightning news. That's, uh, you know, it's not bad. Certainly won't call it bad. Yeah, no, I agree. To get like any of this stuff adopted, we need exchanges to spearhead it, really. You know, just like Segwit. We needed exchanges to adopt SegWit addresses. Um, Bitstamp also has a Lightning node. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not bad news. It's just like, what are they really, why are they really doing it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I think some of these exchanges have better research arms than others. Like uh, BitMEX Research has a lot of Lightning stuff going on for the purpose of research. I don't know. Uh, the The Binance Research Department has been posting a lot of stuff about staking. And I think they are setting up to create kind of a, a staking hub across a lot of tokens, personally. Um, what they've announced already is that they are doing zero-fee staking for Tezos. Um, so you can it's, stake your Tezzies and get 100% of the reward back. So essentially, Binance is uh, not being paid at all to stake on behalf of their customers run and run a pool on behalf of their customers. So Tezos works as a delegation thing. So like, uh, you know, like if I, if I don't want to run a full node, I can assign my Tezos to Tezzy Gator. Like those are some people that I know and they uh, stake on my behalf and, 
you know, they, they keep 10%, but I don't have to run the node or do any of that stuff. And Coinbase is doing the same thing, but Coinbase charges like 30% of the reward. And Binance said, screw you, Coinbase, and they're doing it for free. So you can get 100% of the reward if you uh, delegate. I, I assume you have to keep your deposits on Binance, but you certainly have to delegate to the Binance. Yeah, so if, we can, so if we agree, not your keys, not your coins, right? How bad is it when most of the network is on an exchange that has the ability to like change consensus and that sort of thing, you know? Well, I think, and I'm looking up the Binance article right now, like if when I do it for Tezigator, uh, which is when I didn't run a node and, you know, I want to stake my Tezos, I'm not actively keeping it on an exchange. It's on, It's my keys, it's my tokens, they're in my custody. That's what the, one of the cool things about Tezos. But you can delegate essentially your voting rights to an entity, to, a, to another uh, person running a node. Right, it's uh, like representative democracy, right? Yeah, it is exactly uh, a republic. Um, sure. So, but what? But what if like Binance wants to reorg the chain? Yeah, if they get fifty percent of Tezos on their do you, system, do you have the ability to say no? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the? I think Meltem Demiris wrote an article about that. Like her, ex- she was like talking about it in terms of an experiment with Tezos. Like, can she be the dictator of the Tezos network <laughs> by uh, controlling the voting shares of these nodes? Um, I don't and see I think why not, you know she was right? being facetious because she didn't see the path towards actually having that much. But you know, for Binance, they're the biggest exchange in the world, so maybe they can. Yeah, totally. It'd be it's, interesting. I think Tezos definitely has one of the most interesting experiments in governance going on between the way they do delegation, staking, and all that. It would be a good anti-fragility test if some sort of governance dispute pops up and Binance says no, you know, and the community says yes, or what inverse, whatever, um, to see if like Tezos can handle that. Because I'd get pretty nervous knowing what they tried to pull for BTC. <laughs> where, yeah. Uh, they wanted to reorg the chain, which honestly, like, look retrospectively, it would have been a great, great experiment to tr- have them try to do it because I think it would have just showed like how hard it is to actually practically pull off. Um, but yeah, like the Tezos stuff, that would that would scare me because it's proof of stake. So if they've got most of the coins or you know a huge chunk, thirty percent or more, I don't know what percentage they even have. There's like a, a website you can look that up. Uh... You can see it in terms of who's being rewarded, Tezos, like which pools are winning. Um, but I'd have to, I, I need to look at that. We should do that if we should look it up. But uh, while we do that, I did look up the whether you have to have the coins on Binance, and you do. Uh, so they're not even really taking advantage of the custody component, which is actually one of the clever parts of Tezos staking. So like I could keep Tezos like on my hardware wallet using any any wallet interface I want. And then just based on the address is how I delegate to Tezigator or whatever other pool. Binance is basing their staking off of doing snapshots of user balances. So it's not it's not like I want to I want my governance to be behind Binance, but not my coins on Binance. Like they're they're really embracing the centralized component of it, which is kind of a uh, a disappointment. I don't know, you know, for Tezos. Maybe maybe it's a little harder for them to gain complete control. I can imagine for some coins that are introducing staking, but they really don't have like broad uh, support in terms of where they're listed. Uh, Binance would potentially have the potential to control those networks governance in a more significant manner. Yeah, I was just like comparing it to EOS in my mind and thinking, uh, you know, what's better, what's worse to have like most of the coins on the exchange versus 
distributed in some way. I don't know. Just it seems like a hot mess to me. It's not stopping it Tezos from moving positively. No, I mean, the, the price. The market is the certainly. Price. The market certainly I, read that as bullish. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm not like poo-pooing it. The price in that respect. It's just long-term, like consensus. You know, the, the basis line, the cornerstones of cryptocurrency here. That's all we're talking about. Nothing big, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like long term, like the longer that the longer that Binance has dominance, the higher the probability that something's gonna you know happen. That's but I don't even see Binance listed on Tezos. That's what I was looking at too. My Tezos Baker. I see Coinbase. Yeah. But uh, maybe it's not. I think the rewards don't go out for like seven cycles and I don't know how long a cycle is. So maybe it's just not popping up yet. Yeah. I, th- I thought someone said it was like number five or six. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, the fees for the top ones are all between like five and 15%. One of them is 25%. So. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're subsidizing people to stake on your exchange, it's like, how do you not become the biggest baker? You know? Yeah. Stake I don't see Coinbase number. on there. What number are they? 50. 50? Like, yeah. That's terrible. Well, they charge 25%. They do. That's insane. My Tessie Gator friends are number 12 right now. I think they were top 10 for a bit. Uh, all right. Well, with that, let's uh, dig into some price stuff. Uh, we'll close out with that. We covered a lot of news so far today. Uh, Bitcoin, 7500 bucks, pumping a little bit while we're talking. Bitcoin loves to move while we talk, Josh. Does it? It just loves to hear our sweet dulcet tones. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, <laughs> so I just I just did a video on Bitcoin today. So I got this is all hot, fresh in my mind. So we're gonna we're gonna look that up. Uh, I haven't seen your video yet. I've got a quick quick thought in terms of my overall like what I want to see before I'm bullish. But yeah. your your title kind of gave yours your thesis away. So you wanna you wanna give us that? I mean, the TLDW is the trend is definitely bear based on. Daily 200 EMA, daily cloud, 20 SMA on the weekly. But I see a high probability of mean reversion towards 8.5 slash 9.2 within the next couple of weeks. 8.5 is the daily Keyshin I see. Yeah. 9.2 yeah, so, is kind of a cloud cloud tap or just prior resistance. So 9.2 is the 20 SMA. So that'll probably come down a little bit. On the over. weekly? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just don't see us getting lower lows. Oh, eight five like, is both the daily Keyshin and the weekly Keyshin. Yeah, it's a pretty big level there. But Ooh, I, I don't cloud wise s- on the weekly, we're uh, we got a we kind of got to climb up or else we'll fall out of the cloud, which m- would make it even more bearish on the weekly. Yeah, it's got some time, but yeah, it's got a couple of weeks. Yeah, I just don't see lower lows unless Plus Token starts dumping again, which is uh, the Ponzi that acquired two hundred thousand BTC. 200,000 BTC. So they haven't been uh, really, but... I agree with you that Bitcoin needs to do some mean reversion. There's a big monster C-clamp on the cloud daily-wise. Uh, what I want to see and what we'll probably get and then like <laughs> it'll be hardly tradable by the time you try to execute was would be a daily close over the 20-day moving average, which is also the Bollinger Bands midline, which has also been like one of my kind of key go-to... Uh, you know, trend shift indicators. We are right on it here at 7,500. The move above that for me is usually a tradable, a tradable range. So yeah, a close over 7,500. I agree. Gets a push. Maybe gets you a thousand bucks of upside. Maybe a little more. So I the, just haven't been able to treat Bitcoin as something that's like very tradable. Like the the price action for me has been a struggle. We 
I feel like we got back to Bartland and stuff, you know, where like you missed the move if you missed the one five or 10, you know, 15 minute candle where everything happened. Yeah, I agree. Like if you miss the move of the day or the move of the week, it's just like it's untradeable. You just um, sit around and do nothing for the rest of the week. Right. Right. Uh, so the, the 20 SMA is also the daily Tenkin on the, the daily 20 SMA is the daily Tenkin. And the daily 200 EMA is also the daily Kijun. Yeah, so there's some confluence between moving averages and cloud stuff, and uh, and you know also just daily uh, horizontal levels. When you get to that 8500, it's kind of getting back into the zones, the confluence areas there too. So yeah, a lot of so, a lot of good confluence 8500 to 9200. I agree with that. So I'm not macro bullish. I'm just like bullish to 85 and then short everything above that. <laughs> That's that's how I'm gonna be trading it anyway. How far above eight five does it have to get before you change your thesis? I mean, ideally, you, you get a wick between eight five and eight eight, and you have your asks set up there. I don't see us easily breaking the two hundred EMA like in one clip. So ideally, we you know wick to eight eight, close around eight five, and then sort of peel peel off, fade away back down to like seven nine or something. I don't know. Yeah, the daily two hundred. Simple moving average has really flattened out. It's around 9,400, uh, which is also basically the level, the lowest levels of the pennant that we were in during the summer. Um, so yeah, maybe like, okay, I think we're going to go back to really retest 13, 14K would be over 94, 9,500 for me. That's a big range though. It's a tradable range, $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your end of year price? What do you think? My end of year price, it's December 6th right now. Uh, above, first above or below 10k I'm gonna go with below okay I, uh, I view 10k like if you put that in the legacy markets it's just there's so much open interest or like you know general interest in 10k that what? I would if we get 10k it's a pin job type of thing you know like oh yeah, yeah you know when we close the year at 10k what about um, do we close the year above or below current price I'm gonna go above with that as well yeah I think we go back into the junk eight yeah eights to low nines yeah, I was saying on the video, there's a lot of congestion in this price zone. So I think that's just going to continue for a little while. Somewhere between 8.8 and 7.8, just sort of bar yeah. around town, you know? Yeah. You know, I've been having a couple conversations with people who, you know, they don't pay tons of attention to the market, but they do pay attention. They're interested, whatever. And I've been trying to express like how I would approach Bitcoin uh, for however long, six months, a year or whatever. And basically, I was like, you know, in the historical realm of things, we could go low. Like you could, you know, the 200 week moving average is just below 5K. I get really worried if we lose the 200 week because that's been the bottom for two, at least two bear markets. Uh, and just in general legacy markets, it's a big deal. Um, if we kind of make new lower lows, all that, get into the 6K range, I would, I, I do think 5K is totally in play. Like every, all, everything is in play. But at all of those levels, like all, basically any level below, say like 7K, 70, even here, is just kind of your average in over time, DCA, until it goes back up. Uh, and stop, don't worry about it. Um, so the way I look at it, in light of that is to say, I'm okay being in Bitcoin at these prices. I'm not like selling into cash at $7,000 Bitcoin, but I am looking to increase my Bitcoin. And I see opportunities in especially kind of the mid cap altcoins, non Ethereum stuff for trying to increase the amount of Bitcoin that I have. Yeah. So I had this shower thought yesterday. I think so. My days have really blended together here. Um, 
to start this like transparent $10,000 fund of alts. Um, so I'm going to do this right up and maybe you can help me with it as well. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Basically the idea is to hold it for at least a year or a 10 X. I don't think it'll 10 X, but if it this does, is like, to hold the fund, right? So 10 K either spread out between 10 and 20 alts. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, that's a lot. Why that is spread out that are tradable in the U S markets? Um, I don't know because there's so many alts that are doing stuff or attempting to do stuff going into 2020. But it's meant to be a basket. It's not like making calls on specific ones and stuff. Right, exactly. So my general idea is I'm going to take 10K, spread it between 10, 20 alts and um, rebalance it quarterly, that sort of thing. Okay, I want to do this with you, but I don't want to spread it out. (laughs) I want to make make more like... uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like isolated picks. So maybe being two or three at a time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this right up, do some due diligence on um, some rationale as far as which ones I pick, but you know, even XMR, which just changed its consensus algorithm looks pretty terrible, like on the chart, but DCA wise or long-term hold wise, maybe it's a decent play. Yeah. So I think I have, I have an idea for this. I think, uh, I think, I think we could do a competition. Of course. Let's make it a competition. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be based on just gains. Like we can talk about like sharp ratios or or risk factors and, you know, other stuff like that. Like if you're. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all for that. I just think it's a cool way for me to have skin in the the altcoin game without picking winners. Feeling like super over leveraged or 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 going all in on one or something. Right. Feeling like, you know, I can't stand most of this stuff. But that doesn't mean it's not going to do sort of well into 2020. You know, maybe it all goes to zero. I don't know. But uh, the Man. way the cloud, the way the cloud charts look for a lot of these alts, um, they're to too me, juicy looks, to ignore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I'm interested as well. It's really tough to buy alts as an American right now. Uh, yeah, the so number you've got Binance, US, Bitrex, Coinbase, or Kraken. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But it's right. not necessarily where the alts with the most uh, flow are trading. Yeah, I can understand that, but that's not. I, I, I don't know. I'm at, I'm of two minds because I feel like most of the volume in alts is U.S. retail. While at the same time, like you said, like the alts with the lowest market caps, like the easiest pumpability, uh, maybe <laughs> not aren't on uh, the U.S. markets. Yeah, and Kraken too. You didn't. I don't think you mentioned Kraken, but I'd say Kraken's maybe one of the better places to buy like because you actually so the beef with coinbase for instance is some of these altcoins you only have like a usdc pair (laughs) it's like yeah what (laughs) you know like why are you giving that to me as my option but that's what they do uh and then if you're having to do like a multi-pair jump well we talked about their new fees maker or taker doesn't matter and it's like a one percent fee just to to do a currency jump so that you can actually be in the pair that you're supposed to buy with. <laughs> so it's like you really get penalized a lot actively trading. So doing it, I don't know, it, it, it becomes challenging. There, yeah. I would say non-U.S. citizens have a big advantage in terms of just being able to trade on uh, Binance or other places that uh, will list anything and don't care and have cheaper well, that's, fees. That's just another reason to, to have passive management and buy and hold and, you know. Yeah, probably so. You, you probably so. Fee. I'm not sure I can, though. Like, you know, like you see something and you're in it and then it like pumps 50% in a day. And it's like, dang, are we really going to be passive about this? Or are we going to we gonna rebalance or what are we going to do here? Like I said, I'm, so I'm going to rebalance quarterly unless things are just completely Yeah, bonkers. but quarterly is so, in altcoin land, that's so right. long. 
Yeah, I know, but that's what I want to do. I want to look at ERC-20 versus native blockchain. I want to look at, is staking worth it? Uh, you know, will be, will will it outperform BTC? Will it outperform ETH? Will it outperform USD? Like, I don't know, this is some cool stuff. I think it has yeah. a shot at, at closing positive in the USD terms. I don't know by how much, but, you know, that's something we can talk about as well. Yeah, so... I'm just going to give you an example. I don't have any idea where this is available. I think maybe it's like slated for Coinbase. I don't know. I don't have a position. I've just been watching it in awe. Uh, Matic, M-A-T-I-C. Mm-hmm. From when it broke out, it's been about six, it's been 60 days exactly from when it broke out from like a really tight consolidation. Uh, it is up 300% and has surpassed its kind of listing pump high on Binance and is basically in price expiration territory. It has been insane. And I haven't seen very many people talk about it. Uh, so I think when, when you have alts that are up 100%, 200%, 300%, and no one's talking about them yet, like there's some signs of opportunity there for sure. Uh, and I th- that's just one. That's one that's probably already met a lot of its opportunity. Like I'm not, I'm not telling people go buy it. I'm saying I've just observed that one. And I think others will follow a similar path. I think the number of opportunities to like grab a double or whatever on a on altcoins are pretty high right now. Uh, mixed in with some days where they get absolutely pummeled because that's what happens with altcoins when they're subject to Bitcoin's whims. Uh, but yeah, yeah if, if you have a tolerance for uh, a lot of variability, if you have a uh, if you have a little bit of, of a risk taking nature, um, you know. I don't know. I think we might have reached peak maximalism for a little bit, I guess, is what I would say. Somatic looks like the Raven chart to me. Raven yeah, it, it does look like the way the Raven chart looked towards the top. And like it's 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 really yeah. extended. Yeah. And ENJ, I know you were talking about that one as well. Yeah. Uh, ENJ was the, that was Engine? the, yeah, that was the one that had some kind of partnership with a phone company. Um, ENG is the one that I actually have been paying really close attention to. Oh, uh, well, ENJ looks pretty good too. Yeah, ENJ's, uh, I think, well, but ENJ, ENG, they both kind of have some similarities and like there's some fundamental things going on. There's teams working on them, et cetera. Like, I don't think you can just go pick any old thing that pumped sometime before in 2017 or whatever, and it's going to just do great for you. Wow, ENJ, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Weekly, it's just like insane. Yeah. but yeah, I think some of these, like, they really have stuff there that's going on. Like, they have more reason to go up. Some Someone told me this, like, fundamentals don't matter in a bear market, but they do matter in a bull market, something someone told me. Uh, they probably stole it from, like, Jesse Livermore or something. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, like, finding reasons why a coin will go up is important rather than just buying some coin where there's no team behind it. It's completely dead. They sold their treasury. Like, it's just gone, you know? Right, that's uh, why you have to do a modicum of due diligence, at least, to, right? You know, to make sure. Right. So that's what have. when I'm talking about which coins I'm trying to pay attention to, I'm basing it off of some baseline fundamental research, and then looking for you know chart based price entries. Sure, and even even then, at the end of the day, it might not even matter. You know, just the fact that it is it basically a warm body on an exchange is good enough. Yeah, to move it the might price. be for sure. Uh, I just, I see some setups out there. I mean, some of them <laughs> just, yeah, from a technical perspective, like they've made that higher low, they've got some volume kicking in and you just look at them and like, man, they're just, they're just kind of flipping 
moving averages or a cloud or whatever, whatever they're doing to like have that breakout. And there's some potential there. I would, yeah. I would hope people don't ignore it. That's all I've told. That's all I've told my friends is like, just don't ignore it. I know it's like so easy to write off altcoins because you either lost money or, uh, you know, they've gone down for so long or whatever, but there's some, there's some fundamental shifts going on in price and yeah. Worth the one, to. The one thing I don't like is that I've seen a lot of people on Twitter also talk about altcoins, but that's kind of But nobody's like, on Twitter anymore. Like, everyone's uh, okay, dead. Okay, the, the people... <laughs> it's true, I unfollowed like 200 people who are dead, um, dead accounts, but um, the people I do follow, they've been talking about alts a lot recently. Yeah, I just think just, that's... That's all people talking to themselves, though. It's not like they're showing it yeah. to no, they're mass not. audiences. They're, they're, you know, it's the usual hopium of like, you know, alt season's coming. Yeah, that's but you'll never get rid of that. It's not... It's not, they're as dead as they could, they've been. And I think the number that have gone up that 100% plus without really being talked about or overly shilled is really promising for there to be some continuation of that. Not everywhere. And I personally don't believe, I like, I think your, uh, your basket methodology, it's lower risk, but the correlation, I don't, I don't know, scares me a little bit, scares me a little bit. Holding 15 to 20 alt scares me. Real yeah. curious to see how that goes. <laughs> Maybe it's just 10, you know. Maybe yeah, it's just hard to cut. A... It's hard to cut 15 or 20. Like if you if you say like, let's pull the trigger, you can't do it all at once. You can't say like liquidate all my alts. <laughs> uh, well, no, but you know, you set you set orders if you want, but I have a yeah. list. What is this? I think this is about 20. Like what the hell's Melon Coin? Never heard of that. <laughs> there, there are so many alts on Bittrex I've never even heard of. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So we're watching, we're watching altcoin market. Yeah, I am. It's official. Top. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, well, you never right. know. You know, we didn't we didn't dig into the thing that bugged me most. Maybe I'm just not ready to talk about it, so we'll leave it for next time. What? Uh, Richard Hart's scamming hex thing. Just, yeah, you were going hard in the paint on that one. I, yeah. I take the opposite approach where when I see a scam, I just don't don't even talk about it at all. Well, don't get involved in hex people. It's like <laughs> it's like BitConnects dream child yeah yeah from what i could tell it was pretty awful yeah don't get in there the reason it makes me the most mad is like he's been on a lot of legitimate people's uh you know like podcasts and stuff and he's fully revealed himself to be the scammer that he is so just don't 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 get in there don't participate and with that Uh, i will will co-sign that statement (laughs) yeah everybody go watch josh's video where he digs more into kind of the price action side of things uh Twitter.com slash Carpe Noctum. Thank you, Brave New Coin, for being our partner on this and all episodes. Go to bravenewcoin.com to check everything out that they've got going on. Josh yeah, BNC Pro. BNC, BNC Pro, Pro is out. Is out. And that's, I didn't, honestly, I didn't even think about this, but when I was having my shower, I thought about the fund. It's like, where how, it's am I managed. Keep, how am I going to keep track of all this? I'm like, oh, duh, BNC, BNC Pro. BNC Pro, yeah. So that'll be a, a really great way to have like a uh, transmist. Yeah. So when I said that we should uh, do something with it, that was kind of where I was coming from with that. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, gotcha. We'll, we'll dig into more of that later, but go to ledgerstats.com slash BNC and you can go sign up for BNC Pro. Check it out. It looks really, really, really great. So, uh, And Josh has a bunch of articles on Brave New Coin, most recently Ripple, Stellar, Ethereum, Monero, all the good stuff. Thanks, Josh, for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll catch you next time. Monuments crumble. Just run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze 
wound so tight I can barely breathe 